It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, May 18th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. So I went out last night and put my jewel down somewhere. A jewel is a nicotine vaporizer. Do not start vaping because that shit will get you addicted. And I'm fiending right now because I put it down. Somebody must have picked it up and it's gone. So I would suggest to all my listeners out there, if you haven't started, don't start. Don't do it. You'll be better for it. Good show today. We're going to talk about the Dubs and the Rockets in Game 3 coming back to Oakland on Sunday, as well as a little bit about what we can expect from Celtics and Cavs in Cleveland on Saturday. You can grab this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, iOS, Google Play, and Locked On warriors.com make sure you bookmark that page also locked on nba.com you can find us on facebook at locked on dubs and twitter at locked on dubs find me on twitter at koji tare k-o-g-i-t-a-r-e you can catch my written work on forbes.com and you can find my credentials on linkedin just search aliko carter that's a-l-i-k-o Kind of weird not having basketball for such a long period of time. The finals are starting a little bit early this year, May 31st, uh, but very uncharacteristic to have four days off for each team in between the second and third games. But it's great for the Warriors because, as I said in the last podcast, they got taxed. They needed the rest. The Hamptons 5 definitely needs the rest. They're going to be refreshed they're going to be in Oakland and it's going to be a new game coming home I think Steph is going to have a better game he has to have a better game he has to play like an MVP obviously the Warriors have two MVPs but and Draymond is is really amazing as far as doing everything that the Warriors need done defensively etc etc Stephen Curry needs to score the ball he needs to score more than 18 points he needs to shoot the ball well Uh, for the Warriors to be victorious in game three and he knows this you know like I said he's going to be putting up shots he's putting up shots right now if he can combine some really potent three-point shooting with his already exceptional drives to the basket scoring the ball maybe get a few foul calls this time around I think you'll see a different game It's going to open everybody else up. Obviously, Steph has been assisting the ball very well. Eight assists, seven assists, six assists, getting everybody involved. Uh, And that is super important, but we need Steph to be the guy he was two years ago. We need him to be the guy he was last year during the playoffs. We need him to be the guy that we saw this year before he got injured, who was scoring 27 points a game. 
on nearly 50-40-90 splits, I might add. I really don't think his knee and ankle are hampering him. There hasn't been any conversation about it, no chatter, nothing coming out of the Warriors' practices or anything like that. It's just taking a little bit longer than what we anticipated for Steph to shake the rust off. Basketball is a really hard game. Shooting the ball from 30 feet is very difficult. You're going to miss more than you make. Steph misses more than he makes. In his best season, he shot 45%. But we need him to be better than the 12.5%, one of eight, that he shot from three in game two. I'm looking for one of those eight of 13 nights from three. He just goes crazy. He's due. He's absolutely due. Obviously, being due for a big game doesn't really mean anything. He's either going to play well or he's not going to play well. But he's too good to play that poorly uh, for that. And, and, and like I said, he's not playing poorly. Uh, he's just not shooting the ball well. He, he's too good of a shooter to continue to uh, be that low percentage-wise. And, you know, I really think that there's a breakout coming. Clay Thompson, also 3 of 11 in this game. Uh, game two got to be better uh, got to take more shots I'd rather see him be three of 15 than three of 11 I'd rather see him be five of 18 you know or, or something like that he needs to be active he needs to be aggressive for the Warriors to keep the Houston defense honest his mid-range game has grown so much he can take people off the dribble pull up from about 15 feet, even go to the cup. He's got some nice reverse actions going on. He's There's very few clay-ups in our lives anymore. And oh boy, do I not miss clay-ups. Clay-ups were the bane of my existence in 2012, 2013, even as late as 2014, but he's really gotten that together. He has touch around the rim. He's got to break, break that out, break his whole arsenal out for game three, he's going to be at home. Clay is a guy who tends to play better at home. It's uncharted territory for the Warriors coming home and playing games three and four at Oracle rather than starting. That hasn't happened since the 2013-2014 season when the Warriors were knocked out of the first round by the Clippers in seven games. If you'll recall, that was a series that Andrew Bogut was not able to play and it was an exciting series. It was tough. It led to Mark Jackson's ouster. Led to Steve Kerr's hire. And the rest is history. I don't think Steve Kerr's going anywhere anytime soon. But this definitely is kind of... It's a new situation. The Warriors are going to have to play extremely well at home. They didn't have a fantastic home record this year. But they haven't lost at home in the playoffs in a very long time. A very long time. I think you're going to see fewer turnovers. There were 15 turnovers in the last game. A little bit too many. Obviously, the magic number is 15. They tend to win many more games, averaging 15 or fewer than 16 or more. But this was not their night. Wednesday, that is. They were just outplayed in every facet of the game. 127-105. That's a thumping. Only seven fast break points for the Warriors in this game, well below their playoff average of nearly 18. And a lot of that was turnovers. They didn't have a chance to get out in transition because they were throwing the ball away. 
They didn't have a chance to get out in transition because they played poor defense, allowed the Houston Rockets to shoot 51% from the field. And it's tough. It's tough when the other team is making shots. You can't get out and run. You can't get them before their defense is set up. The Warriors striking early is extremely important, especially with the length of the Houston Rockets defenders giving the Warriors fits in the last game. We'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new, lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So we're talking Warriors. We're talking coming home. Home. It's a beautiful thing. I predicted the Warriors would win both games at Oracle. I don't think they're going to lose a game at Oracle. And if we do get past the Houston Rockets, home court advantage is ours in the finals. So it's a matter of taking care of business at home. Outscoring the Houston Rockets in the first quarter would be huge. The Rockets outscored the Warriors by five in that first quarter. Then by nine in the second, the Warriors did not win a quarter in game two. One good stat from the Warriors, big stat, the Warriors had 50 Points in the paint in this game. That is, I believe, the highest total that they've had in the playoffs so far. The Spurs, the Pelicans, routinely outscored the Warriors in the paint, and the Warriors made them pay from the three-point line, from the mid-range. But in this game, the Warriors attacked. They attacked the basket, and it was fruitful. Fruitful uh, to the tune of 50 points, but the rest of their shots were not falling. Those normal mid-range shots that Clay, KD, like to take, they weren't falling as much. KD, obviously, was amazing, uh, but was a minus 28. And the three-point shot wasn't falling. We know that. They shot 9 of 30. That's 30%. If they shoot 13 of 30, they're in the game. And I really don't think it was a matter of the Houston Rockets playing better, closing out on shooters better. You give them a little bit of credit for that, but the Warriors missed a lot of open shots as well. Only two of Nick Young's shots fell, and I didn't talk about Nick Young yesterday. Nick Young, not very good defensively, got beat repeatedly off the dribble, but even so managed a 100.7 defensive rating which is actually very good. I think being on the floor with Kavon Looney really helped that a lot because Kavon only played 11 minutes but had a 98.9 defensive rating, which is very good. A lot of 90s sprinkled around in the offensive rating, though, which is not very good. That's 90 points 
per 100 possessions, very, very poor. Kevon Looney, 91.6. Steph Curry, 95.4. Andre Iguodala, 95.9. Not good. Not good. That means their shots aren't falling when they're on the floor together. Means they're not creating points. And the Houston Rockets did a great job of creating scoring opportunities. They were a very, very potent team. You couldn't expect a guy like Trevor Ariza, for example, to play poorly two games in a row. The guy has a championship. He's been around a long time. He takes the game very seriously. And the same goes for all the guys on the Rockets. And more than that, the Warriors were just out-hustled in Game 2. Looking at these hustle stats... What we've become used to with the Warriors contesting shots, all this other kind of stuff, it just didn't happen in game two. Draymond once again comes in at the top having contested 10 shots in game two, five two-point shots, five three-point shots, but we're used to Draymond closer to, you know, 16, 17, 18 contested shots. He did box out the Houston Rockets 23 times, which is a ton, and is... 16 times more than anybody else on the roster, Kevon Looney, with seven box outs. Nobody had more than seven contested shots besides Draymond. The Warriors contested 63 shots, but the Rockets shot the ball 88 times. That's 25 wide open shots. The Houston Rockets are going to knock those down. As I've said in the past, they have a number of Above average three-point shooters, nobody absolutely incendiary. Eric Gordon was 6-9 from three for 27 points. Didn't talk enough about Eric Gordon in the last podcast. He was 8-15 from the field, made all five of his three free throws, and was a pretty good hound on the defensive end. All right, I'm going to end this segment a little bit early so that we can go straight to talking about LeBron and the Celtics special treat. I've got Miles Johnson here, my good friend and roommate, and we're going to break down a bunch of stuff about Celtics C's, maybe touch on the Warriors as well. Quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. All right, we've got Miles here. We're going to talk Celtics Cavs first off. And I'm super excited to have Miles here because he's been out of town and it's just always fun having him on the show. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm glad it's Friday. Yes, always glad it's Friday. And we get some good basketball over the weekend. The break has been almost interminable. I just, I, I don't understand this big ass, like, 
break between. Well, you got to travel, and yeah, I mean, I guess Houston has to go much farther than Boston does. I guess that's true. The the travel kind of I don't know. Anyway, everybody played a lot of minutes, and so I'm happy they're getting the rest. But you know, it's it's tough. I too have wanted to watch basketball the last two nights. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we're talking Celtics, Cavs. And we're talking LeBron, who had 21 points in the first quarter of the last game, game two, 21 points the rest of the game. And one thing I have not talked about is the huge hit that LeBron took from Jason Tatum going to the basket. Uh, You know, that hit in slow motion was, uh, it looked so, so, so painful. And he looked a little bit rattled afterwards. Yeah, I mean, right after the hit, he looked a little dazed um i mean he said that he's fine and that he got tested for multiple things he said he had a battery of uh, well he didn't say a battery of tests i'm paraphrasing there i like the word battery no he said he had been tested for multiple things and that um he had passed them all and that's why he had been cleared he didn't specifically say that he had been cleared from anything related to a concussion which a lot of people on twitter suspected after the hit that he may have had I mean, I don't know. Watching the game, he looked really different, uh, markedly different from the first quarter where he put up 21. Um, and, and again, it was the way he was putting up 21, too. It was even different from uh, the last, that last sort of uh, explosive for- first quarter that he would have had against Boston in, what, that was it, 2012? Oh, yeah. When he went off, I think, for 48 um, and didn't miss the first, like, 27, like, worth of points. This is, of course, when he played for the Heat, but the point being, um, he looked different, you know. In that first quarter, he was hitting, uh, you know, fall away, you know, step Ridiculous back over Marcus Smart. And then in the, in the third and fourth quarters, it wasn't even that he was just missing shots short, you know, something that can be a sign of fatigue, but missing almost a foot to the left or right of the basket on straightaway threes after he had, you know, looked so sharp in the opening quarters. I, I did wonder, you know, whether something more serious in the next train happened. Because the thing is, if if the Cavs do have to put him in concussion protocol, if they have to if they have to initiate that process, this series is over. Yeah, this, this series is totally over. They, if if LeBron James, if it comes out that he has concussion, this is something that Bomani Jones tweeted a couple of days ago. Like if that comes out that he's concussed, um. The Cavs don't have to show up to the gym anymore, right? The Celtics will run them off the floor without LeBron. Um, they have been running them off the floor with LeBron, right? And, and yeah. that Game 2 performance that he had, concussion or potential concussion or neck strain or whatever, or nothing, right? He put up more than 40, and they still lost by double digits. Yeah. If you take LeBron off, and I, it honestly does not even matter who you start in his place, like... They honestly, they shouldn't even make Boston play those games. They should, <laughs> they should make them play that game three. If he were to, you know, be out for game three, which he's not, but hypothetically, if he were to miss game three, they, go ahead and play that game three. Don't make them have to come back for game four because it would be pointless. Yeah, yeah. This Cavs team not very good, and uh, we know two things. We know LeBron took a really, really hard hit, and we know. Uh, I think we can surmise that he did not go through concussion protocol. Uh, what he gave was a non-answer, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about 
the process and what he was tested for. I, I, I haven't personally read it the sort of breakdown of what he was tested for. I don't know if you've seen anything about that. But, no, I haven't. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't want to get, like, into, you know, speculating and, like, diagnosing people. I just, I think it is, it, it poses an interesting conundrum, potentially, because there is no incentive for Cleveland to prod into this, right? Like, there's no incentive for them, Cleveland, the organization, right? Um, unless you believe that they care about LeBron James's mental health like as a as an individual. Yeah. There's no incentive for them to like really dig into this because if it does come out that he has to go through concussion protocol, it, the series is over, right? Yeah. So so then you start to get into kind of this murky territory where you like how much can we trust um some of the more rigid rules and guidelines that the NBA imposes things like, you know, this is what happens if a player sustains a head injury and you Mm -hmm. suspect that a concussion may have you know happened this is what has to happen maybe Hmm. right because and i don't even think it's something that's unique to cleveland i mean the question that i posed to you before is if houston wins both of those home games and kevin durant has had sustained a similar injury I don't know do the warriors right now with the way that staff has been playing the way that clay came out in game two do they go ahead and put Durant through concussion protocol and hope for the best if they're not tied one one coming back to Oracle? Yeah. Like, and I- my answer was I don't know. You know, uh, that is a really really tough question. Um, but it shouldn't be right. Like the 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 thing is like if this is if this rule is fulfilling its intent, it's sort of its intended purpose. Yeah, it is about player health and player safety, right? The fact that we can sit here and be like, I don't really know if this would actually happen, despite the fact that it is a really strictly mandated process that is at the root to protect people's, you know, brains. Like, this is a really, these are head injuries. Let me me go further. I think that Steve Kerr cares about his players. And if the decision was up to him, KD would go through concussion protocol. That's that's what I feel. But whose decision is it? Look, I, I don't know. I don't even know how the decision necessarily would take place because I don't know if this is something that unilaterally a player would decide or um, if there has to be input from coaches and medical and training staff. And I'm not sure if, you know... Is it meant... Is It's kind of meant to be that nebulous. I mean, it kind of allows for a situation like this with LeBron where, you know, you don't even know where you don't even know because the rule is not, like you said, not rigid. It doesn't feel like a rule as much as it is a guideline. No, but it is. It's, it's, I I mean, I think like it's incredibly clear, right? Like if a player like sustains an injury that you think may be concussive like yeah. there this is the protocol yeah. right the fact that people just don't do that i don't think necessarily speaks to the ambiguity of the guideline or mm. the ambiguity of the rule i just think you reach a point where you know how valuable to your team how valuable to the economic success of both uh the organization and the people who are working within it yeah. do you have to be before things like whether you are concussed or not 
maybe don't yeah. factor in as as much, right? Yeah, like, like, and you, like I don't you know said Steve before. Kerr personally, right? So you could there are lots of people I'm sure that would say, oh yeah, we really care about these players, right? But there is there are literally hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. Oh yeah, right? so oh yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, we were talking about this, and we were talking about like you know if Jr. gets the same hit, he he's going through concussion protocol. He's going through concussion protocol, but LeBron is exempt. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, th- again, this is. I'm not saying that he does have a concussion. I'm just saying if he did, even if he did, right? If he if Tatum comes through, and that hit happens, and LeBron is definitely concussed, we would never know. Yeah. Right, because. Because Cleveland would never tell us. And I'm not sure... <laughs> they have no incentive to. Other than, again, like, doing the right doing. thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that's where you Dan realize, Gilbert and doing the yeah. right thing aren't really but synonymous. I, but again, like, I, I, I even hesitate to say, as much as I personally think Dan Gilbert is maybe not the nicest person in the world, I really do hesitate to even say that this is unique to him or even, like, owners like him. Like, yeah. I... I don't yeah. know, right? Yeah. Like you, we can, we can, you know. Think Joe Lacob, history of hiding injuries. Uh, there was a in, an injury with Andrew Bogut, uh, where we traded for Andrew Bogut back in twenty twelve, and they didn't tell us that he had microfracture surgery. We found out much later that he had had microfracture surgery on his on his foot or something like that. Um, and so, I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And it's not like this season, especially, has been any stranger to really clandestine, secretive health issues, ranging from Kawhi and the Spurs to Markel Fultz and the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like this is, you know, this conspiracy theory that, like, I've made up. I, I just, I think I've, I, you know, you can identify where where kind of the rubber meets the road and where, you know, there is a situation where the interests of the player and, like, the interests of the team, you can see, like, are directly at odds with one another. Yeah. Right? Because if if LeBron is concussed, I'm not saying he is, so I'm not trying to, you know... know, Stir the pot. Yeah, I'm not... I'm really not. But if he was, he should go through concussion because it's a head injury. It's really serious. It's It's not like, you know, a foot injury or knee injury, which are, again... Also serious, but, like, we're talking about your ability to function, like, as a person moving forward, basketball or no basketball, right? Yeah, much less a basketball You should take care of your brain the absolute best way you can, right? You only got one, and degenerative diseases are real. But if he does do that, right, the cast can pack it up and go home. And I'm not sure how, which one Dan Gilbert is, would be more willing to do. I'm not sure which one any owner with a player like LeBron, with a player like Durant or Steph Curry, right, or Russell Westbrook, I don't know what any of these these owners with these organizations would do. Yeah. We know the almighty dollar is almighty, and uh, that's, that's, about, that's about all we know. And that's about as much time as I have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And enjoy the basketball over the weekend. should be fantastic. Thanks, Miles, for joining. Thank Stay you. thoughtful, Hoops Heads.
San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. And together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you are looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.